Loving Father, we pray that as uh, we open up your word, uh, you would speak to our hearts and minds and help us to see the righteousness that can only come from your Son, Jesus. May we embrace it with all our heart. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Uh, you might like to uh, have your Bibles open at uh, Romans chapter 3, uh, the passage that Don read out for us. I gave myself a fright the other day in the supermarket. I went shopping for a shaving mirror. Uh, I know I have a beard, but that's all right. I still have a little bit of maintenance to do. And one side of it seemed fairly normal. Uh, but if you're not prepared and you flip it over, you get a bit of a surprise because of the magnification on the other side. And it can come as quite a shock if you're not quite ready for it. Uh, for me, it was all too much, even in the shopping centre. Uh, in Romans, Paul, the Apostle Paul, holds up a mirror for us all. Verse 23 summarises this picture of every person born into the world. Every person, you, me, the person sat next to you, every person. Have a look at verse 23. It says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Our problem is that we are not righteous. We are not right with God. No one is a match for God's standard. In Romans chapter 3, we heard earlier uh, that uh, verse 10 and 11 says that there is no one righteous, not even one. All have sinned and gone their own way. And then by the time you come to verse 20 of chapter 3, well, it caps it all off. Just in case you were wondering, verse 20, Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. You see it? It's a mirror. It shows us who we are and what we are like. Now, I wonder how you react to this news. How does it make you feel as the gravity uh, maybe hits you for the first time? Uh, maybe you're tempted to self-justify uh, by my measuring stick, I'm okay. Just ask me, compared to the other bloke, I'm really good. And isn't it true that deep down we pull out our own ruler, our own measuring stick? And the measuring stick is really just you. It's not God who decides what is good and what is not good. It's you. And what pleases God is not our question, it's what pleases me. And that becomes the standard. And of course, that is a sin as old as Adam himself. Not this one, the other one. Yeah. Adam decided God didn't know what was good for him, didn't he? God said, Adam, eat from any tree in the garden except just that one. And of course, Adam decided, what did he do? He went, nah, I think I'll eat that one as well. I set the benchmark now. I decide what's good for me, not you, God. And that is called pride. And it's a quick path to hell. And of course, we all fall for it. 
It's a little wonder the Bible says that we are all like that first Adam. There is truly no unrighteous. Maybe like Luther, you find this news, uh, you, maybe your reaction is that it cripples you with fear. Luther was absolutely crippled by fear uh, at this truth. Such fear that moved Luther at one stage to even hate God. The big mozzie zapper in the sky, so to speak, uh, who was just waiting to strike him down. But if anything, these words, I find them the great equaliser. The world wants equality. Well, here it is. We're all on the same page. None of us can be claimed to be perfect as God is and no one can claim to be better than the next person. Luther is right. Uh, we are all beggars. So our question then this morning has to be, well, what then? How can I have a right relationship with God that I so desperately need? How can I stand before him? Who can stand before him? Because, Adam, you know, this is such a big demand. And, of course, the answer is what the Lord demands, the Lord supplies. Do you you see his generosity in these verses? Look at verse 21 with me, please. The Apostle Paul writes, But now, apart from the law... The righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe there is no difference. See, met with our failure and our sin, God in his love, supplies to us that righteousness that he demands. Look at verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God's salvation comes to us, not as earned, It's not deserved, not as worthy, but as undeserved and unworthy. And so it's a gift and it's all of grace. The good news of Jesus, his his righteousness is given to us. And that is what we find here in chapter 3. Verse 24, did you notice that word redemption? Uh, We've seen movies like Gladiator, or maybe some of you would remember Spartacus. We know from Hollywood, sort of, uh, we've seen pictures there of slaves being traded. Here is a picture of a slave being brought back with that word redemption. In the Old Testament, God bought his people back. They were redeemed from slavery in Egypt. And we too are slaves. Sin holds us under its power like slaves and the wages of sin is death. 
But in Christ Jesus, we have been bought back from this slavery. We've been redeemed. How have we been redeemed? By the blood of Jesus. That was the price for our sin. The blood of Jesus and the price is paid. The life of Christ has been given in return for our lives so that we can never be enslaved again. Which brings us to the temple, verse 25. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Here we are at the temple. On the day of atonement, the high priest would enter into the innermost part of the sanctuary and in this Holy of Holies is the Ark of the Covenant which contains stone tablets and on those stone tablets was written... The Ten Commandments, good. The law, the law that we've not kept, right? And on top of the Ark of the Covenant was a gold top covering and that was called the mercy seat. All right, the lid. But when God looks down on the commandments we fail to keep, what does he see? He sees our failure, doesn't he? And it was on that day, once a year, the animal was sacrificed on the altar and the blood was sprinkled on the lid, the mercy seat. And when that happens, what does God see? Does God see the commandments that we fail to keep? No, he sees a blood sacrifice used to cover over the sin. And on that basis, sin is dealt with and God accepts his people and they can approach him. And on the cross, don't we know, verse 25 tells us that Jesus offered the blood that can cover sin and turn God's wrath aside. Earlier in Romans chapter 1, verse 18, it says that God's wrath is being revealed. And as we read on in that chapter, we see it includes all of us. But now in chapter 3, we're told a sacrifice has been offered that turns God's wrath away from us. His is a sacrifice of propitiation. It means that we're no longer under judgment. We're no longer in the firing line because God's wrath is turned aside. And now we are at one with God. Slave market. Temple. And our last stop is the law court. What do we need at the law court? Oh, we need justification, don't we? Look at verse 25. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. And he did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. To be justified is the declaration by God that we're right with him. The hammer falls. It's peace, we're right. And some say 
To be justified means just as if I'd never sinned. Have you heard that one? I heard that one in Sunday school. It's pretty good. It means a clean slate. But I want to say to you this morning that not only does God only expect me to be sinless, because uh, it's not just the absence of sin, he also expects me to be righteous. See, I need my old record to be eliminated and paid for, yes, but I need a good record from somewhere because no record is still no righteousness, right? It's not enough for Jesus just to take away my sin. He needs to give me his right standing before God, his righteousness as well, that righteousness that only he has, And that I need so desperately. And that is what Jesus does. And this is what justification is. It's Jesus taking my sin upon himself. It is paying its penalty. And then it's him giving me his righteousness. His perfect obedience. So that now I fully perfectly fulfil All of God's requirements. And this is what Paul is talking about when he says in verse 21, now righteousness from God apart from the Lord is revealed. He's talking about the very righteousness of Christ, which is given to us in place of our sin when we believe. My sin is no longer mine because Christ has taken it on. And Christ's right standing, his righteousness is no longer his, but it's mine and yours. And he's given it freely to you. And so these words are important. Here, more than anywhere else, God explains to us what he has done. For you and for me to solve the problem of sin, to divert his anger from us, to make us acceptable... From the slave market to the temple to the law court, we are no longer under his wrath and judgment, but instead we are forgiven and we are redeemed and we are justified and we are declared acceptable to him. And that is good news. That is wonderful news. And how does it come? How does it come to us? Verse 22, do you see the word there? The righteousness is given through faith. And verse 25, do you see it there? God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. Verse 26, he did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith. Faith. Faith in Jesus is to trust Jesus and to embrace Jesus. To say, yes, Jesus, uh, I embrace you. You're good for the job. You fulfill all of God's promises. And that's how it comes to us in the form of a person. Many of us have flown in an aeroplane, yeah? Maybe you've even been in an Airbus A380 or whatever it's called. And you've. Uh, did you interview the pilot before you got on the plane? No, you didn't, did you? Uh, It's a bit curious, isn't it? I mean, it'd take a long time if all of us wanted to, but seriously, why not? Like, think about it. He's going to take you up into the air. 
at is it 10,000 feet or something, and he's going to fly you at speeds of over 400 kilometers an hour in the air. Does that sound like a little bit dangerous in a big aeroplane full of people? On what basis did you let him? He let, you let him do that for you. That's incredible when you think about it, the amount of trust and confidence that you put in the pilot. And you paid money for the privilege. You entrusted your safety and well-being, your very life, to the pilot. Are you mad? Have you ever had surgery? Yes. You let someone knock you out cold. Right? So they could cut you with a knife. And open you up. And you let them do whatever they needed to do to you, they did. What kind of day was a surgeon having before he got to you? Did he have a fight with his loved one? You don't know, do you? Now you're going to worry about that next time you have surgery. (laughs) And again, you paid money for this, didn't you? You exercised absolute confidence in this person's ability to do something important for you that you need to do. You had faith in the pilot. You had faith in the surgeon and their team. You submitted to their power and work. And you did it because you had a need, I guess. And they're normally good for the job. And faith really, it's an example of faith because faith really is only as good as the object of faith. Your confidence in such people was supreme. Who are you going to trust for salvation? Can you redeem yourself? (laughs) We're beggars. Can you avert God's wrath? Have fun with that. I mean, it makes about as much sense as trusting yourself to fly an aeroplane or trusting yourself to self-operate. This doesn't make sense, doesn't it? Who will you trust for salvation? When it comes to salvation, the answer must be Jesus. And only Jesus. He must be the object of our faith. He alone brings the redemption that we need because he alone pays the price. He alone turns God's wrath aside. And he alone brings justification, gives us the righteousness that we so desperately need. You cannot buy salvation like the stunt they tried to pull in the Reformation. You cannot earn salvation. The only way to be justified, the only way to be right with God is by faith alone in Christ Jesus alone. Now verse 27 says, where then is the boasting? There is none. There is no boasting except for the sin from which we need to be saved. And so Luther, again, is right. We are all beggars. Why is it that faith alone justifies? Why not love? Why not love or some other virtuous disposition? Why faith and only faith? Why does faith hold this exclusive place, so far as salvation is concerned, over and against love and over against everything else in a person? And is it because faith means 
receiving something. It's not doing something. It's not being something. It's not paying for something. To say our faith alone saves means we do not save ourselves even in the slightest measure, but that God saves us. That we are made right. We are justified not by love, but by faith. Because God wants to make it crystal clear that he does the decisive saving work apart from us. And that the person and work of Christ are the sole grounds for our acceptance with God. Luther said these verses here that we've read this morning were life-changing. He said that they're a summary of the whole Bible. And here they are. Find assurance. Find a right relationship. Find God's expression of his life, of his love. Be the beggar. And accept this right standing that can only come through faith alone in Christ Jesus. Amen.